All right, we're here. Hello. Yay. Hi. Hi, Jess. Hi, Phoebe. So this is our first Nomad podcast, and I guess today we're going to just talk a little bit about what we're doing here and introduce ourselves and um, just see what happens. <laughs> yeah, how did you get here? That's the question. How did you get here? Which we'll have a whole other podcast on that. Yeah. Um, but first, I guess my name's Phoebe. I mean, you know that, but they might not know that. And um, I'm the founder of Nomad, and we'll talk a little bit about what Nomad is and and, um, and my story today. And yeah, how did you find Nomad before we talk about what Nomad is? Yeah, I was thinking about that, and I know you've asked me that once before. And mm -hmm. I think I, I don't know, I think I told you something like, oh, through an email, but... <laughs> I believe that it was when I was going to Sky Baby, mm -hmm. a lot to Sky Baby, and I was, you know, really just yoga was my life, and um, I saw this great brochure and yoga outside by the water because the Hudson Valley is so beautiful, and yeah, I was there at the summer solstice, so I think awesome. it was through Sky Baby. I think it was going there. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and the summer solstice that you're talking about, that's a big Hudson Valley community event that we've been doing. This was our fourth year, and so last year you came for our third year. Yeah. And we had over 200 people there, which was really cool, and bringing together lots of different yoga studios. Um, so that's one of our, our missions in Nomad is basically, you know, local community events here in the Hudson Valley, but we're kind of broadening that that scope right now. We're in the process and you're in a huge piece of that puzzle of expanding, which we'll talk more about in a little while of how we're expanding that. Um, but what we also offer through Nomad is just lots of different experiences. Um, what I say on and off the mat, the yoga mat. And, you know, this is through yoga retreats, which you came to Bali with us. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You can just attach my name to everything that you say. <laughs> I know. Since I met you, moving yeah. forward. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, I mean, that summer solstice, you joined us. Um, that was, you know, June mm -hmm. 2017. And mm -hmm. then you immediately came to Bali with us mm -hmm. in September and then the next phase of our, um, you know, what we've been in this past year is I've been leading a lot of yoga teacher training. So you were our first 200 hour um, as nomad trainees at West Point. Yeah. Yeah. And you're a veteran. And so that spoke really to you. That wasn't even our initial um, intention, really, because you were finding out about Nomad's teacher training we right. were going to do on location. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of fell through. And I said, hey, we can't do this. Um, but do you want to do one at West Point since I knew you were a vet? And that was just sort of magic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. I remember going um, to my energy healer and just telling her, oh, my gosh, can you believe what is coming together? And it was more beautiful than I ever could have ima imagined, mm -hmm. bringing two communities together. So when was that? When, yes, when that was that wonderful. Was, that was in December. That was in December when yeah. I, I contacted when you. When you contacted me. I, uh, yeah, I had to keep it under wraps and let go of any expectations of it actually happening. <laughs> right. But <Me> <laughs> <laughs> then the more communication we had, it was just like, wow, I have to pinch myself. This is really here. Yeah. So, yeah. I know it was really cool because... 
I knew how excited you were for the teacher training in the spring. We were supposed to go to Mexico mm -hmm. um, in April. We we're going to do a month long uh, teacher training. And I remember thinking, oh man, that's, I just was watching it not be able to happen, you know, in terms of the expenses and, and people interested in it. And then I was like, oh man, this girl really wants to be involved in our <laughs> teacher training and it's going to fall through. And then Liz Kent, who... Um, Major Kent um, did the 300 hour with us in the fall and she just uh, brought it together for all of us. And I thought, oh, good. Yes. That was the perfect place to do our teacher training with you there. And now you're about to enter our 300 hour, which is cool. Um, so yeah, we have a lot going on in Nomadland. We have retreats and teacher trainings and whole other offering, uh, a whole bunch of other offerings, but that's kind of what we're focusing on right now, as well as this podcast. And um, I guess, shall I tell them about how we came to be? Yes, you yeah. totally should. So, need to hear this story. Yeah. So I was a dancer in the city for years and, um, and I was married at the time and, and about 2009, um, things were rough. You know, I was teaching yoga, um, I was teaching yoga probably for a handful of years. I had been teaching dance and Pilates as well to supplement my, my dance income. And I had kind of like retired from dance a number of times. And so is that, is that typical in the dancer world? Um, not necessarily. I think for me I did because I had a bad injury Sure. and okay. I was also very disillusioned by the, the, you know, the politics of it and the business of dance and, so I left when I was probably in my early, like mid, mid to late 20s. I got engaged when I was 27. So I think I had already like just retired, retired around then. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, but I found my way back when I was 30 and I said, you know what? I'm not getting any younger. I want to go back. And, <laughs> um, and so I did, I said, I'll give it a year. And actually my teacher, Jean Marie Palillo, she had written a book called The Vibathon, which, um, we, we feature in our teacher trainings, but she was testing out this whole thing about manifestation. And mm -hmm. I did her workshops and I was like, I'm going to manifest. I'm going to dance for a year. And, and if anything comes of it, awesome. If not, then I, at least I know I did it. And so I started the whole like taking classes again and auditioning and, and I gave it almost a year to the day. I was so like frustrated. I was going to audition after audition and not, and I was trying something different than I had done before because I was in a contemporary modern dancer and okay. I was thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to do musical theater. Um, so I had to learn how to sing too, which was like a whole other adventure. I didn't know that <laughs> about you. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I was learning how to sing. I don't know how accomplished I became. <laughs> um, so I was, you know, so I was going to audition after audition still teaching yoga and Pilates mm. and feeling like, oh, what am I doing to myself? And sitting in a room with 200 girls and dancing for five minutes, if that, if we were lucky and, you know, maybe getting to sing. And it was just taking up, it was a time suck and also like breaking my self-confidence down. And energy too, all that oh, energy you so were much giving energy. out. And I'm in a room with like 20 something year olds, you know, like early twenties. And, and here you I'm are at the right age 30. of 30. Yeah, yeah. The right age of 30. I was like, <laughs> I can't handle this. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of like going, this is the very long story today. Um, 
So, so, but a year to that day, I mean, maybe not exactly to the day, but almost I'm leaving. I just gave up on this one audition. I was not getting called in. My number wasn't being called up and I had to go teach. So I'm leaving and I see one of my dearest friends from college, Dante um, Paleo and I just jumped into his arms. I was like, where have you been for the past 10 years? Because he was always this one person that I always wanted to see in the city. Whenever I saw somebody from college, I was like, where's Dante? Why haven't I seen him? And so I jumped in his arms and we were like, you know, best friends reunited. And we weren't even that close in college. Mm -hmm. It was just, he was just always this person I was drawn to. We had this strong soul connection in some way. So I jumped in his arms and I was like, oh my God, I love you. Where have you been? (laughs) We exchange numbers, we go. And I'm like, whatever. And then the next day he texts me and he said, I have a job for you. I just got hired for this gig that could potentially be a Broadway show. HBO is looking at it and they want to, you know, there's a whole stuff. And he's like, I need an assistant. I need you to dance. And I said, you haven't seen me dance in 10 years. Are you sure about this? And he said, absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind. So, and we met up for the first meeting and he texted me the address of where he wanted to meet. I was like, you live five blocks away from me. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> How have you lived five blocks away from me the past however many years? And we never saw each other. Oh wow. So it was just this other moment of magic. And so, and then we worked together on this project for about a year or so. And it kind of ended its course. You know, they continued on in a different way. And, um, but we, we continued to dance together. So he, from this project turned into his own dance company. So I danced with him for another year year or so. And that was awesome. Um, but so to go more directly to Nomad. So around that time I was married and my husband was having a really hard time with his life and career and kind of like, I guess a midlife crisis to, um, spare details. Mm -hmm. And so around that time I was still dancing with Dante and, and, um, and he was having a hard time. And we, I just figured, you know, maybe we need a change of scenery. Maybe we need to move out of the city. And we were contemplating this. And in the midst of this, um, also kind of like if we're not going to do this, so maybe we're getting a divorce kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the midst of this, my father calls on Father's Day, um, 2009. And I hadn't spoken to my father in 18 years. Mm. And... And I'll share a little bit more when I go into my, my um, letter later. But he, I, I had been, we had been estranged for a very long time. And he called me and he um, suffered from severe PTSD in Vietnam mm-hmm. and just was never right. You know, he was a great, amazing person and father when he was on. But when he was sure. going through his hard times, he was, you know, very scary to live with and be with. So when I was 14, I decided I needed to leave and he disappeared for a period of time. So, um, so it was weird, this timing of 2009, he comes back into my life. I'm changing, you know, figuring out this huge transition. So we came to this conclusion, let's move out of the city. You know, um, it'll be better for my husband at the time, his life, you know, quality of life. It'll be better for me. I was kind of winding down with the dance thing. Um, in a way, like I could be, I couldn't be. Um, and then my father was living near outside of the city, but wasn't in a place mentally to be traveling into the city to see me. So Mm -hmm. I thought if I moved out, then I would see him more. Mm -hmm. So we moved in 2010, um, to, um, the Hudson Valley, which is where we are now. And, um, 
and I gave it a shot. You know, I did the best I could with, you know, it was a lot different lifestyle mm-hmm. and I loved it and everything. But I think, so, I think I knew that just something wasn't right. And, but, you know, I'm very much like make the best of what we can. And you had already kind of, you turned your road, you had left the city to take this. Yeah. And I was committed to it. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is be- This is good for everybody. It's good for my husband. It's good for my dad. It's good for me. Cause I, you know, these people I love are near me, you know, and they're happier and, and I'll, you know, I'll figure out how to do this, you know, work thing and life thing. Um, so, you know, and I did, and I started a yoga program here in Beacon, New York, um, around in 2012. And that was really successful. And I was having a really good time. We had just bought a house and, um, January 8th on 2013, my father died and he called, I mean, he didn't call, but the police called and said they found his body. And that was just this whole, um, the beginning of the end, <laughs> the beginning of the beginning in a lot of ways. Right. Um, so he passed away in January and I was very depressed for, you know, for a couple of months and just pulling myself together to come to work. And, um, so March, I think it was March 7th around there, my husband sat me down and he said, it's, I have to let you go. I have, I, we have mm. to get a divorce. And it just, I did not see that coming. I thought he was on, a, you know, a good path. And I, I knew I was going to be once I got through my depression of, you know, my father passing sure. away. Um, but he just was not in a good place. And I think he, I think the death of my father sort of woke him up and like, why am I taking this girl along the, with me? You know, mm. cause he was still kind of living in his own stuff that he was hiding from me to a certain extent. So, I mean, that whole year was just deconstruction, you know, deconstruction sure. of this relationship, <laughs> my father, which like brought up a whole bunch of stuff, um, and just, you know, all of a sudden I had made these big changes for these two people who are no longer in my life. Right. And I thought, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> and who am I right now? Yeah. Like, yeah. Who am I? Um, what am I doing? You know, every day I was woken up, waking up being like, what, what? What is going on? Do I on? go back there? Do I go for where? Yeah. Yeah. I was in this, what we, like I literally and figured, yeah. do I go back there? <laughs> yeah. I was like in this horrible space in between. And that's what we are calling this podcast is the space in between of just like having to look back in my past because all of it was coming to a head. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a relatively positive person and I feel like I process things. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm a person even in the past of like denying things, I feel like, okay, you know, that sucks, but let's get the, you know, let's work through this and make the best of it. But I feel like it just all piled up, you know, Mm. the stuff that I hadn't really dealt with my father, you know, when he came back into my life, I was just so grateful he was there and I didn't really address the stuff, you know, because I was like, but he's healthy and let's just make the best of this. And I'm glad that I did. I'm really grateful. I did have Mm -hmm. four years of, of, of having that, but I didn't really go, why the hell? You know, I didn't really have that like, fuck you conversation Sure. <laughs> and I should have, but 
it's okay because I've had it on my own. And I think he probably wasn't in a place right. mentally or emotionally to really deal with that and the whole guilt that he had for so long. But so anyways, um, 2013 was just like, Oh, tearing me apart. And I'll definitely be sharing more of that because this is about the space in between. That was a year of just in between. I don't know looking back and I don't know how to look forward and where am I now? Um, so I sort of checked out and I went mm -hmm. to Costa Rica for, and that's a whole other story we'll share another time. But I ended up in Costa Rica thinking it would be for a couple of days, then a couple of weeks, and then it turned into nine months. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and just like any birth, it takes nine months. So within those nine months, I kind of conceived nomad. I knew, I kind of looked at, okay, what do I want? You know, um, I don't have to think about anybody for Which the first was, time, right? In a while. Yeah, ever. Yeah. You know, even when I was a kid, you know, my parents separate, they'd separated when I was seven. So I lived with my father and I was always like, what's dad need? You know, dad, like I was still in caretaking mode mm -hmm. back then because he did have this thing called PTSD that we didn't know that was a thing back then. You sure. know, it wasn't really a diagnosis until much, you know, in the 90s. Recently, yeah. yeah. Um, so we just thought that he was, you know, a little kooky <laughs> and had a drug problem, you know, yeah. oh, he has a drug problem, which, um, so I, I just, I was always in caretaking mode and always yeah. worrying about planning my life around somebody else. And, you know, I, I, my husband we, and I, we were together, um, my ex and I were together from when I was 21 until I was 35. So I was always that same role. Yeah. I yeah. just, yeah. I rinsed and repeated with somebody else in a lot of ways. And even like the boyfriends I had prior to that, to a certain extent, there was a lot of like the fragments of, of that relationship, um, there too. So yeah. In Costa Rica, it was just me and I had nobody else I had to worry about and plan. And I just asked myself, what do I want? And it was liberating, but also really scary. Absolutely. Because <laughs> there wasn't a familiar feeling. Absolutely. So did you find yourself feeling good emotions and being scared of those emotions? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Interesting. Yeah. I haven't really thought about that. But yeah, I, yeah, I was scared because it was so unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. And being somewhere, I think I was so grateful to be somewhere that was so unfamiliar um, because I don't know, there was something safe in that. It still felt a little uncomfortable. So those moments of feeling happy mm -hmm. and feeling like, oh, you know what you're saying? Like, are they, were they good feelings? They were, but then there was still like this, like uncomfortableness that made it feel okay. Cause I was just used to always feeling a little uncomfortable. Do you think that has to do with surrender? Like, oh Yeah. A lot of that, yeah, because maybe, I mean, I don't know. Um, was there a part of feeling in control when you had the role of caretaker? Mm -hmm. And then yeah. coming to you, you're like, oh, I'm so used to just having this put-togetherness about myself. Yeah, it's interesting. I have always had this, like, put-togetherness, but there was always chaos, Mm -hmm. And I think I did. I felt safe and like, I've got this, 
even though my life is in shambles, I've got this. Yeah. And I can totally like put on a face and like, I almost felt some pride in it to a certain extent. Like, oh yeah, my life is shit, (laughs) but I've got this. I own it. And, and being, I think, yeah, there was this great sense of surrender when I was living in Costa Rica. And even when I came back, you know, Mm -hmm. when I came back to the Hudson Valley, there was this like great sense of like, yeah, I still don't know what I'm doing, but I've got this. That was the familiar feeling. Mm -hmm. But then when I was like, oh my God, I really do got this. And it's actually not that bad anymore because I don't have to worry about anybody, you know, there's, but that's when I think. I realized that there was a lot of inner chaos within mm-hmm. me. There was all this other external chaos, mm-hmm. but there was all this internal chaos that that's when I had to really look at it. Yeah. You know? Sounds like you started to build self-confidence though with it, like in yourself, just owning what you really wanted, you know, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I had to, I had to, I, I had to be, you know, confident because I was like, okay, I'm actually saying what I want because I had never really said what mm-hmm. I wanted before. It's like, right. well, what do you want? Like even just dinner, like, oh, well, what do you want tonight? I don't care. <laughs> um, so I, I did, I was like, I have to be committed. I'm saying what I want to the universe and to myself and to other people. I'm saying what I want. Um, but that's scary, you know, Mm -hmm. because now I'm actually saying it. And then I had to own it to a certain extent because I didn't want to go back and forth and back and forth. But while I was saying what I wanted, it took a while to really align with it. You know, I was Mm -hmm. saying it, it was scary. I had these moments of feeling good in that, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm seeing evidence coming. But then it was, and then I was self-sabotaging to a certain extent because it was like, wait, this feels good, but I'm not used to that. I'm used to the chaos. So let me uh, let me throw in a little bit, you know, they'll throw me off track. Cause I know I got this whenever that goes wrong, a little but I didn't actually, yeah. yeah. And I didn't actually know well, I got this when it felt good. <laughs> like when it genuinely felt right. good. It's not always supposed to be challenging. Right. And if yeah. it always is, that's when you're supposed to shift. That's, yeah. th- that's not the norm. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I wonder if most people, do most people people feel that wall up a lot and then just continue to push and push and push, <laughs> thinking think that's the right way to go? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Wow. Yeah. We're I th- so silly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, that's where like the negative habitual patterns happen. Yeah. Right? Because, you, and when you like think about like you watch your best friend or something and you're like, why are they doing that again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For the third you time. Can, yeah, yeah. And you can see, and you can see it so clearly like, why are they doing that? I could actually just really be happy if they just went this way. Um, but they're not, they don't see that, right? And that yeah. comes like to a whole self-worth thing mm. too. It's it's a pattern of just always knowing that it's going to be hard and recreating that struggle and those obstacles. But there's also, like, it might just be a learned pattern, but I also, there's some deeper level of like self-worth of like, they don't actually deserve, they see the clear path, but they don't want to choose it. Sure. Um that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Denial too. Yeah. Within yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I was asking for myself, what do I want? And, and what I had said was I want to travel more in my life and I want to still continue teaching yoga. And, um, and so my whole plan for Nomad was really just yoga retreats, yoga retreats, travel around Sign the world. Sign me up. Yeah. And you did. <laughs> and I did. 
Um, and again. <laughs> yeah. Travel, you know, and then maybe like get to a point where you were on location for teacher trainings, you know, on, you know, in paradise or whatever. So that was, you know, kind of the initial um, mission of Nomad. But okay. then I came back to the Hudson Valley because I needed to make money. So I basically mm -hmm. lived there for nine months. I lived off of like the little bit of inheritance I had with my father, just a tiny bit. And living expenses are super cheap there. But I knew like, okay, I'm building something. I need to save what I have and come back and make more money because mm -hmm. I wasn't making money there. Mm -hmm. And I came back to the Hudson Valley and, and I was teaching at a whole bunch of all of the studios and I, that I could teach at, hustling one studio to the other, but I was exhausted. Um, but I knew I needed to do that, build up my clientele for potential retreats and all mm -hmm. of this. And um, so I knew I needed like a year or so for that. And um, in the midst of that, that's where there's a lot of divide in this local community with studios. And I was, they kept calling me Switzerland, like various people, studio owners were like, you're a Switzerland. You have a business. that's not a studio. You should do something. I was like, okay. So that's when we did the summer solstice. And I brought, I think that first year we had, um, 12 studios mm -hmm. and we did three different locations along the Hudson River. Okay. So in Terrytown, Beacon, and Poughkeepsie. And I think collectively we had about 100 people. Okay. The next year we did it just at Beacon. I think we had like 13, maybe 14 studios. We had 150 people. And then the year you went, we had like 200, over 200 people. So it's just been growing. And, mm -hmm. it's been, and the studios this year, we had like... 25 studios that you got yeah, to teach and you got to represent i know yeah you were a nomad teacher for west point yoga club full um, circle right yeah one year prior yeah. student first time meeting nomad so there's definitely a sparkle about nomad <laughs> continue listening <laughs> yeah what it what it, yeah i've talked a lot what is that spark for you Community. That's, mm. if I had to sum it up in one word, it's community. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that bringing people together of all, just all diversities um, is what Nomad, I feel, that's what resonates within me. And letting go of just really washing everything away and just really trying to be a soul, you know, having this human experience and um, connecting with people. That's mm. what I love about Nomad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I am not the only one that feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> so there are many more people that feel that way. So, yeah. And that was sort of, you know, honestly, that was this great surprise. You know, I knew I needed to build community, but I was kind of like, I don't have a yoga studio. I don't have a location. I mean, people still ask, like, where's Nomad? Yes. I'm like, always at home, wherever you are. Where is this place they call home? Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's you know, I, I really didn't want to do the studio thing again. And your evidence of it, I mean, and when you say community, that, like, warms my heart because there's not one place, you know, you came to the summer solstice, which is very Hudson Valley community, yoga mm -hmm, community. Mm -hmm. You went to Bali. We created our own little tribe in Bali with mm -hmm. even my little 85 year old grandmother at the time. Right. She's great. <laughs> um, she was part of our tribe and like a couple of other students from this area, you know, 
And then you've also been part of like the nomad tribe at West Point, you know, mm -hmm. the, the community that we're creating there with the yoga club there. And so it's, it's cool because yeah, you are, it, the, we have community, but it's not this one community where you're going to see the same people every time Right. you go where there's so many facets to nomad and, and you can like go over to this and you know, you're going to go to Belize and we're going to have our own little tribe there. Mm -hmm. And I, it's just, I love having that time and space where we can really connect with people. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, that time and space might be over, but you're still connected and we can come back together. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. There's something really cool and special that I really didn't have that intention. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess he did with the retreats, but he didn't realize like what we were, like the bigger, right. broader stroke of it. So that's been cool. <laughs> I think people are able to really be themselves and they share when they want to share. They, you know, they sit back and listen when they want to listen and they're just able to really come from a place that's really their true self, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking about Nomad being here and there, Liz is... I'm sure bringing it to that community in North mm -hmm. Carolina and um, yeah, it's, it's so special. It's really, it's something, you know, out of your heart and, you know, you had to go on your path prior to this to manifest this beautiful thing. And I think we all have something beautiful, you know, within us mm -hmm. Are we just, are we willing? Are we open? Can we be vulnerable? Yes, the surrender. I mean, yeah. one of our little mantras that we've already said is, you know, my mantra, this whole process is set intention, let go of expectation, right? Doing the practice and letting go of any sort of outcome or, you know, results. And I think that that's kind of who our tribe is, is people that are able, I mean, this is anybody, anybody can, it can set an intention, let go of expectation and be, but be open and vulnerable is freaking scary. Oh, totally. <laughs> but what I really, why I think it works is because we create that safety for all of us, you know, that safe container of time and space and, and I, it's been really magical to be able to create time and space for, for that openness and vulnerability, but it isn't a physical location. You know, I mm -hmm. think people like for me, like I love to be in my apartment, you know, I love to be in my home, which we're sitting in right now, yes. but like we can really create that wherever we are we can create that with people and community and the energy and, um, it's, yeah, that's been a uh, really unexpected surprise for me too to, to be able to witness it and, you know, be a part of it, but also you all are creating it. And I love that I'm co-creating with all of you guys. It's not like Phoebe Miller, founder of Nomad, she does these things and da, 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 da. Like, yeah, I have this vision, but I don't even know what it is sometimes. I'm really letting it go with the flow and you flow into my life. And I was like, oh my God, this is great. And we're going to create this whole awesome thing with um you know the military and and teacher training which we'll share another time but it's like you know and then we have you know other you know other contributors that they have this magic here and they want to really brighten it up and mm -hmm. do something and so it's been so cool to just allow time and space for all of us to be 
you know, these beautiful artists in a way, you know, like creating this beautiful community, this beautiful, um, yeah, this beautiful like time and space for all of us, this space in between. The spaces in between doesn't have to be gross and scary. And no. like we're creating a really beautiful space in between of, of love and trust and, and more growth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely magic. Yeah. And, and exploring, you know, what, and it's, and you know, we're, we're not just like, oh, everything's rainbows and butterflies. Like we're doing the work and you, I cannot wait to share your story. <laughs> um, but you're doing the work, you know, you are showing up every day for yourself and you're showing up every day for your community. And, it and it's easier. Sorry to no. cut you off. It's so easy or it's not easy, <laughs> <laughs> but it makes it um, more enjoyable uh, to put your, you know, make that step forward and continue taking those steps forward knowing that you have the support mm. um, around you, you know? Um, yeah. And I really feel that everyone <laughs> that plays some part in some event that Nomad has, um, and then even when they're away from there, that event, you know, when you see them out, they still have that same kindness. Mm. You know, again, I have to go back to just it just being really – us kind of being washing away, being naked, right? Like mm -hmm. when we were, when the earth was first formed and we were all being created and, you know, naked was free, naked was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we can cloud that up, you know, kind oh, of like, yeah. you know, now we look at that as shameful, but getting back on track and not being so abstract that I think <laughs> I love abstract is good. <laughs> I do too. But how are that our listeners a, feeling? <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's a whole rather rabbit hole. We'll go down yeah. that whole rather rabbit hole we another will. day. But yeah, it is. I mean, there is something interesting about what you're just said is that cow used to be so beautiful. And then we turned it into like, Oh, you're, you know, it turns into a cloudiness or a dirtiness and yeah, being vulnerable and being just showing who you are is, so perfect in itself, right? It's yoga. Perfect. This is like yoga, living yoga. Perf um, imperfect, perfect in the imperfection, you know, like being able to just accept all that you are is so beautiful. Um, yeah. So... So, yeah, so that was kind of nomad, a little nomad in a nutshell. And the really cool thing, so why we're sitting here and doing this podcast now is, um, so to bring it back full circle, yes. <laughs> is this spring, um, one of our senior te nomad teachers, Juan Carlos, he, uh, he was, he came and sat, you know, he came and sat at my um, apartment and we had a meeting and he said, you know, I'm hosting a TEDx in Newburgh. And I think you should be a part of this. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what I'm going to tell. He's like, you have a story. You need to share it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, whatever. And so I got nominated. And and then, and I think you all actually helped nominate me yeah. in that process. So that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so then the whole process, I went through this whole process of, you know, going through, you know, my application for whatever, TEDx and everything. And then I got to do it. And it's like, what am I going to say? You know, okay. I had an idea, you know, I wanted to share my story and I wanted to share a little bit about Nomad. And, um, I thought, 
okay, it's about the flow of life. Like, and I had been reading a lot. I was, um, I listened to Rob Bell, um, who's a, a pastor and he has a great, a great podcast. And I had seen him talk live. And one of the last talks I saw him was talking all about like life is a divine dance and, or divine, you know, the, div, um, the Trinity, you know, the whole, the, you know, how the Holy Spirit yeah, and the whole, yeah. yeah. And, and like kind of the deeper meaning of that, like how we just kind of take advantage of that. But he was talking about this, you know, perichosis is, is that's the word for it. Okay. And that means to dance around and, um, the divine is basically the divine dance and how everything is, is in this swirl of, of just the universe and being able to flow with the universe. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was really playing with this idea and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do my talk on life as a divine dance and how to flow into the, when we're in these spaces in between, right. In this rock bottom kind of moment and how you can surrender to it and see how it actually, the universe is taking you somewhere. And if we're not bumping our heads up against it, like we were just talking about a bit ago with those habitual patterns, if you just actually drop it mm -hmm. and see where the flow of life takes you, it's probably going to take you somewhere really cool, which Nomad is evidence when I did that. So I thought, okay, divine dance. Well, I'm a dancer. I've been wanting to dance. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? Let's dance with this. So I contacted my friend Dante. Yeah. And I said, you know what? Was he what? living five blocks away? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> he was living in Alabama. Okay. <laughs> and I said, Dante, I am going to do a TEDx. Is there any way you could be a part of this? And he was like, absolutely. It was perfect timing. And it was just so wild. And, um, he came, we actually talked on the phone. We did Skype a couple times and he had written my, he, he had read my script. Okay. And so we talked through it, like, what are the images we wanted to do and all of this? It was really cool. Um, and we had danced together so much in the past and we were really connected. And so he basically came up here and we rehearsed for one day. Yeah, that's phenomenal, <laughs> by the way. It was awesome. And, you know, the hardest... If you haven't checked it out, you can check it out at YouTube. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Life is a divine dance. And we'll have that in the Oh, yes. Notes. In the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> podcast notes. <laughs> um, so that was just... It, and that was like another moment of magic. You know, I had actually put out there on Facebook, you know, of all the places where to man start manifesting. I wrote on his <laughs> wall, like three months prior to this invitation, I was like, we need to dance together. Like he had a picture. Really? Of, I yeah. didn't hear this part. I think he had, he either had a picture of us dancing, or I think he might've had a link to his website, which okay. had a video of us dancing. It just took me down somewhere where I was like, oh my God, we used to dance together. I want to dance again. What? Are, ah. And I wrote on his wall, like we need to dance together. And then this invitation came mm. and I was like, okay, we're dancing together. So synchronicities, I have to <sighs> jump yeah. in. That means when you're feeling a synchronicity, and I'm going to share with you uh, the other day, I was yeah. with cadets from West Point, and I was talking about some synchronicities, and they're like, what does that mean? What is that word? These are <laughs> oh, they're phenomenally so smart <laughs> I know. people. They're so um, dear. But obviously, you know, West Point doesn't talk about synchronicities yeah. and that's woo-woo, right? But um, <laughs> when you feel these things, when these things that you're thinking and then they actually kind of happen, mm -hmm. that means you're on your path and you should keep <laughs> Yeah, forward. like keep following yeah, that. The yeah. signs, I mean, it's so true. Like from Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist, he says that what the universe conspires, you know, when you want something, the universe conspires. And I totally feel like 
that is what nomad is, you know, as well as my path is just, mm-hmm. we are so, when you're so aligned with it, you might not know exactly, but if you can really set that intention there, they, these little synchronistic moments will happen. Right. And you just have to follow. It's like, you know, you walk a couple of steps. Oh, there's a little cookie. Oh, okay. Let me, you know, like there, Oh, there's another one. And it's like leading you somewhere really cool. So that's, what's actually made it really easy for me with Nomad because I have trusted and those you've little recognized mm-hmm. these and you haven't just allowed them to pass you by. Yeah. You've, you've looked at them. I need to learn about that with my romantic relationships. Oh. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Which will come to our letter in a bit in some way. But yeah, it's it, so anyway, so the TEDx was that another like these little cookies to, you know, mm-hmm. bring me to this this manifestation of dancing again. And so I did the TEDx and, you know, I thought, okay, we need to do something more with this. And I think you and I spoke after mm-hmm. the TEDx and you were saying how you were inspired about it and you wanted to write a little bit more about mm-hmm. what you've been going through and mm-hmm. your your path. And I thought, oh, we need to do we need to do something with this. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of taking me in a whole other direction too with the dance piece of it, which I'll share as that develops. I don't want to share all my secrets today. Um, That's right. But yeah, so this podcast is, we're calling it the spaces in between and it's really showing these moments of, yeah, maybe they're rock bottom moments or they're really confusing times or whatever. It's these sharing these moments of the space in between mm-hmm. and how with our, through our stories, how we can let go mm-hmm. of, of the expectation or of the suffering, right? Cause when we're in that, we feel like this will never end. This pain will never end. This suffering will never end. And you start to hit your head against the wall. Um, so allowing ourselves to let go of the space in between and, and showing, you know, the way out. Right. And everybody's story is different. And I really am excited. You know, I have a number of, of, uh, nomads and non-nomads signed up to do a number of podcasts coming up and just sharing these moments because, this is where we feel more connected, you know, to people. When we are able to show our vulnerabilities and say, this is, be naked, you know, this is who I am. It uh, gives the other pers- person permission to, mm-hmm. to show their nakedness mm-hmm. and their vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. And not in a way like, oh yeah, I'm naked too. And I'm naked too. Like, yes, there's something so beautiful in that, but also to re- for the people who are fully clothed <laughs> and they're not quite ready yet to like show their vulnerability just to say, listen, we've all been here. Mm-hmm. We know where you're, you are. Um, and it's okay. Yeah. And you don't have to show your vulnerability yet, but know that our stories will help you. Right. Help right. you in your surrender. Yeah. I think that this is why the stories have to be told because mm-hmm. we hold on to what we feel is shameful. Um, and there's a difference between shame and guilt, but um, yeah. <laughs> but what we feel is dirty or ugly um, or not good enough. Um, and we're special in the fact that not one person has gone through every single thing that you have, but someone else, somewhere else has gone through one of those things or five of those things or whatever. And we may, you may be further along and hearing your story of your struggle or your triumph or both is so, I think, imperative for other people to hear. It can I think just 
it's like curing ignorance, helping to cure ignorance, mm. you know, mm. of our emotions and. Uh, yeah, we have, we're so ignorant about ourselves. <laughs> oh my gosh. I see that on right? yoga classes. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's such a good observation. Like we're, we think about ignorance of being like ignorant to other people. Mm-hmm. We're so ignorant about ourselves. <laughs> And, and it's because we're just simply because we're scared, you know, ignorance, they say ignorance is bliss. It's like, if I don't really know that part of me, then I don't really have to see it or deal with it. And, but guess what? It's probably freaking banging on your door at some point. If you're not dealing with it now, mm-hmm. it's coming mm-hmm. and mine as well, like go with the flow and that space in between and, and you're going to get through it a lot quicker when you can, you know? And with a tribe that mm-hmm. is going to be there and be like, oh, I've been there. Let me share you my, my story. And that's kind of what this podcast is, is like, okay, maybe you're not able, maybe you're still a bit ignorant to yourself, um, but let's share our stories and maybe inspire you to open your eyes and, and be awakened, you know, yeah. and because you can live such a fuller life. And then inspire up. them to share their story yeah eventually maybe they'll share their story here on the podcast (laughs) or just you know in wherever (laughs) way you want no pressure um yeah so so i think i'll share my my letter so this is sort of what we're playing with in this podcast is i was looking for a way in because it is very vulnerable Mm -hmm. to share Mm -hmm. a story right and I'm, I'm hoping my mission is to like sit and be able to hold space for you and for anybody who's sitting here doing this podcast, who's courageous enough to share their story. But sometimes it is, it's like, where do I start? Right. And, and so <laughs> I, I'm inviting people to share their story with, as a way in by sharing the lever, a letter never sent. Um, so this could be in that time of struggle that, um, dealing with obstacles, maybe it's a letter to that person, maybe was going through a divorce or, you know, a loss of, you know, a parent or another loved one. And you didn't get to say the things that you got to say, and you're feeling guilty about it after their passing or whatever that is, right. Some sort of letter, letter, maybe it's has been sent. Maybe Mm -hmm. it was never sent. And for your case, when you're sharing, you're going to share a letter to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that is also a really beautiful way of like showing acceptance for yourself and So kind of, we're going to use that as a tool. It doesn't have to be for every podcast for people who, um, you know, maybe aren't a writer or they just want to sit and talk to me. Cool. Um, I have a couple of friends who might share poetry as their way in. Uh, But, you know, um, some sort of, you know, tool to get in there if it's, it's, it's finding that challenging to sit and talk. That icebreaker. Yeah, that icebreaker. Yeah. So um, I'm going to share a letter today, and this was a letter that was never sent, um, but I wrote it when I was 24 years old. I wrote it on January 8th, 2001, and this letter's to my father. Shall I begin? Yes, please. Okay. Dear Dad, I'm not sure who this letter is going to be more for, you or me. I don't know if it is to say a final goodbye to you or to say, let go of the past and give a chance for a future. There are so many stories that I wanted to share with you over the years. Some of sorrow, some of happiness, some of anger and pain. 
and some of forgiveness. Who knows how far back this history goes? Before I blamed you for everything, then it was mom. Now all I want to do is stop the blame, stop this pain, and move on. It has been holding me back. A friend said something to me last night that scared me. He said, you never trusted your father even before he hurt you. I always thought before then that I lost trust in you. My friend then said that I always knew. When he said that, it struck something inside of me. It took me back to that time when you and mom were were still together and got in a huge fight in the car. You were driving like a madman. You were probably drunk or high. And the music was blaring and you two were fighting in the front seat. You stopped the car on the side of the highway and told us to get out. We got out and I carried every single stuffed animal I had in the back seat with me. There was probably at least six or seven of them and I held them in my little arms. I didn't trust, trust to leave one of my dolls with you. A few minutes later, you pulled off to the side of the road again and asked us to get back in. And we did, and we repeated this at least three times that drive home. Every time we got out, I carried those dolls. Every time we got back in, I prayed the police would pull us over and have you arrested. I was only six years old. I so badly wanted to trust you, especially after mom left. There were so many lies though, not just to me, but to others and to yourself. And I was even forced to lie myself to protect you. I could see all of them laid out in front of me. I would like to think it was your dis-ease that forced you to lie, but I may never really know. But today, for whatever reason, I'm letting it all go. We all have been hurt before by someone we love. I'm no different. It is just that something that has to be dealt with. It made me stronger and now giving me an opportunity to grow. For the first time in my life, I have found someone that I want to trust my life with. When it comes down to it, I probably would. Of course, if I do get hurt again, I will grow from that too. It's the chance we all have to take. I can't hold anyone up to the expectations that I have for them. Unfortunately, what I've learned up until now is that no matter what they do, they always fail. So today, I want to let all that go. I don't want to hold anything against you or anyone else anymore. There are just too many people and circumstances involved that I can't blame anyone anymore. I have to believe everything is as it should be or else I might go crazy thinking otherwise. I'm so lucky to be where I am in my life right now that seems foolish to waste it away on things that cannot be changed. I'm living my dream of being a dancer in New York City. I have a wonderful boyfriend who has taught me so much about life, love, and art. And I'm still young and I have good friends. There's so much more I want to work on, though, so I need to keep moving forward. I still want to perform with a major company, travel, live a comfortable lifestyle, marry, and have a family. I know it will all come true if I believe in myself. We can all live the life we want to have if we have the confidence to do it, 
and the strength to get past our failures and suffering. I want both of this. I want both of us to get past it, Dad. I know when you are healthy again, you will be able to start living a life you will always you always wanted, and you will have a daughter in your life that you will be proud of. <laughs> be strong, be healthy. I love you. <sighs> That's beautiful. And that <clears throat> was your truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild that I wrote that when I was 24 years old, I had been living in the city for about a year and a half. And, um, that was my truth. And it's so wild that I read, I read it. I mean, I wrote it, um, on January 8th and the wild, there's so many wild things about this, but the most wild is that my father died January 8th, 2013. He died 12 years later on that day that I wrote this letter I never sent. So I'm not freaking out now, <laughs> <laughs> listeners, because Phoebe shared that with me before we started, but that's, wow. <laughs> when did you realize, like, when did you, when was it, you know, what year? It probably wasn't It was recent. Then. It was yeah. recently. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big journal writer, mm -hmm. and this is one of the processes that I go through, like, when I'm having a hard time, and I don't know how to articulate to somebody, or maybe, that, like him, like, I, he mm -hmm. wasn't in my life. Mm -hmm. So I write letters. Like, I obsessively write letters in my <laughs> journal. <laughs> and I had written this in my journal, you know, and I had plenty of other letters that maybe I had written in there. Um, but this one really particularly had stuck out. I had remembered that I wrote it. Like I remembered, oh, I wrote mm -hmm. this letter. I remember because I was really ready to let go of things. Um, and the two years ago, I decided I, it's time to share my story. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I manically, like for a fall, wrote out my whole story. I took out all of my journals. You know, this was, you know, after my dad had died and, you know, I was going through all this. It was only two years ago. So mm -hmm. Nomad was already established. And I was like, okay, it's time to share my story. I'm going to write a book. So I pulled out all these journals and I was going through them. And I remembered this one. I was like, I remember there was, I remember, like, I remember the time, like, the time, time frame, in my yeah. life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I need to go through it. So I was finding this journal and I found it. And I was like reading it and I looked at the date and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He, he died 12 years later on that day. And it was so wild because this was the most grounded that I had written him and mm -hmm. in, in letting go of things. Mm -hmm. And this is also sort of evidence of like when we want something in life, we can't have the expectation. Mm -hmm. And I even say that in here. Mm -hmm. I wanted so badly to see him again, but I was so scared that he would be in jail. He would call, the last time I talked to him was in college and he was asking me for money and he was high and he had just had a heart attack. And you had no communication with him. None. Like none. None through a third party. Or no, my grandparents, he my grandparents wrote a letter every once in a while and said, you know, oh, saw your father, but never like he was fine or he's, right. he's strung out. Or yeah, whatever. he never. Yeah. They just said, we saw your father. Sure. So fact is he's alive. That's all I knew. Um, so I might have known that he was still alive at this time. But there were periods in my life that I didn't know if he was alive. Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't know if he was in jail and I didn't know if he was, you know, on the streets, which all of those things happened. He mm. was, he was homeless for a period of time. He was in the, he was in jail. Um, he, you know, did crack and heroin. I mean, he just was a hot mess. And I, when I wrote this, I didn't think I'd ever see him again. And when he called, I didn't think that he would be sober and healthy to a certain extent. So, um, yeah, I, there's so much in this letter that I manifested in a lot of ways, like unpacking our history, that, that story. I mean, that was, that was something that memory stayed with me for so long. Mm -hmm. And there were lots of other really crappy memories, (laughs) unfortunately, living with him. Um, there were really great memories too. That was what was so hard was that he was such a wonderful person in a lot of ways, but then he was just this monster. But that memory had stuck with me for so long. And it was so interesting when I read this the other night to prepare for this podcast. It was like, whoa, I've recreated that in my relationships with men so many times of this Mm -hmm. back and forth and back and forth. Getting out of the car, getting back in the car. Yeah. And it's not necessarily the breakup and getting back together. Mm-hmm. It was just, I mean, the the energy of the relationship, too, of like, is this working? Is this not working? Is he manic? Is he depressed? Da, da, mm-hmm. da. And like always riding this like unpredictable wave of what's going to be happening. I felt like I was being ping-ponged in my marriage and emotionally in mm-hmm. a lot of ways and then, you know, in relationships after that. And it was just so weird that I had like held on to this memory. And I think it isn't until very recently that I actually looked at this again and saw that truth. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want that anymore. I'm, I've been recreating it to a certain extent by holding on to that memory. And now I've really like have to let that memory go so I don't recreate it in my future. Um, that good awareness. Yeah. Mm. Because I didn't, I wasn't do, I was doing it unconsciously, mm-hmm. you know, even though I was like, Oh, I need to unpack all this stuff that happened to me and I don't want to recreate the pattern. But by holding on to the memory, I was actually recreating the pattern, even though I was like being mindful and like right. red flag, red flag, red flag. I was still holding on to, to that, that story that, yeah, it was like, a, like it was, I sometimes see memories as like like layered like a transparencies like mm-hmm. one on top of the other and how like yeah it's all the same mm-hmm. and then you can take it off and then it's not on your present right you're kind of just putting layers on in your present of your past mm-hmm. and it's not allowing you to be called into your future so that was something that was really big when I was looking at this the other night and the other irony was that I was saying how I tr- was going to trust my life with this other man, this boyfriend I'm talking about was right. my ex-husband. Was your ex-husband, yeah. And yep, he hurt me again. And But that was the other thing, too, about manifestation. It's like I was already prepared for him to fail me, you know, and I recreated that yeah. choice. Yeah. I'm not going to say that I self-sabotaged and said, oh, I'm going to, that he's going to fail me. Like, let me marry him. But I was like, I was somehow like unconsciously recreate, recreating that. Um, right. Because yeah. I had that expectation of failure. Mm-hmm. And you hadn't 
really healed and by healing, letting go. Yeah. Yeah. And allowing that to be going back to what you said, um, memories stacking on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you replay a memory that maybe is not so serving, for instance, I have an ex-husband too. So I'm (laughs) in that group. You know, I go back to listening to music that maybe he and I would listen to or a song that he would play for me, you know, that really spoke to him about what was going on, you know, in our relationship. And I'll play that. And I don't know why, but that I'm doing the same thing that you just discussed, that I'm thinking about that time period. You know, it's a process, obviously, to, to letting go. But also, I think, the act of letting go is to really let go. <laughs> Stop playing that song. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's an interesting place to be in because when you let go, you do have to let go of the good too. Like we want to let go of all these bad things. And this is what I'm saying in here too in this letter. It's mm-hmm. like I want to let go of the crappy stuff. But yeah, you have to let go of the songs that created that good feeling that Mm -hmm. you're saying you know and we don't want to let go of that and so sometimes that is like we don't want to let go of the good stuff so we still hold on a little bit to the crappy stuff um so that we can still have those really great memories it's an interesting I mean I I'm definitely not speaking from like I figured this out I'm still going through it you know Mm -hmm. I'm still grieving from a relationship that ended you know a while ago and Mm -hmm. I'm still looking at like, what can I still hold on to this memory and this memory? And, oh, wait, you know, like I'm still going through that too and figuring it out. But, um, yeah, once we figure that out, we'll report back, right? <laughs> yeah. Or you can email us. Yeah, we'll email, I'll send us out a, an email blast. Hey, here we go. This is how you let go. Um, and, you know, in the in the letter too, I just, I loved how, I manifested a lot of the same stuff, but then at the end, how I said, you know, basically you, once you're healthy and happy, you're going to have the life that you wanted. And, and then I said, and you're going to have a daughter in your life that you can proud of. And I'm like, wow, he did get that. Like he got, Mm -hmm. he got four years of, of that, you know, he was sober for about 12 years prior, but he was on heavy meds. So he wasn't really sober. He was living in the cloud of, um, you know, medicated drugs, um, head drugs as he called them. So he almost died of lithium poisoning. Mm. And that's the reason why he contacted me because he was probably dead, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if not very close to death and came back. And when he came out of it, he just said he was in the hospital and he was like, I don't want to be on head drugs anymore. And as soon as he did that, he said his whole world opened up and he remembered me. Mm-hmm. That was probably, I think he said March of 2009. And then he contacted me Father's Day 2009. Actually, June 21st, which is summer solstice. Yes. <laughs> wow. Which is also a full circle thing because that's unconsciously I had picked, you know, summer solstice mm-hmm. because it is like a big, like kind of yogi celebration day and I looked at it I was like oh my god that's what made that contact to me because it falls wow. father yeah. father's days falls on different days you sure. know but I looked back when I was realized that I looked back at the calendar and it was June 21st um was father's day in 2009 um so he's very wow. much leading us guiding us through nomad in a lot of ways and laughing and 
But I love that like this letter really showed a lot of what has happened. You know, when I wrote this when I was 24, Mm -hmm. now we're like, I'm older now. (laughs) I'm a bit older now. Um, We get better with age. Yeah. And yeah. I just find it interesting that you said he got what he wanted, you know, or he got to have what you wanted him to have, you know, Mm -hmm. the daughter that he could be proud of, which is so loaded. Like there's so (laughs) many ways I can go from there. But um, I think that, uh, you know, you talked about, you began, we began talking about um, how you weren't able to unpack your stuff with him. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it seems like that was all for you to do because, you know, it seems like what you really wanted to do was to have this beautiful life with him. Yeah. You know? And you yeah. got to have that. Yeah. I think if I had been <clears throat> in an angry stage <laughs> when he came back in my life, I mean, so many people in my life, they were like, it's okay if you don't want to see him. It's okay mm-hmm. if you want to be angry at him. It's okay. And I was like, no, I can't. Like, I waited 18 years or however many years. Like, no. And and I did, you know, once he passed away, I was so grateful that I didn't. And then but when I was like going through my divorce and everything, I did have a moment like, wait, what the hell? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I call him out on this shit? Yeah. But he wasn't capable, you know, mm-hmm. he was just holding himself together and he was really healthy in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but he still wasn't mentally there. I mean, sure. he had the tools of, he wasn't a yogi, but he learned a lot of like the tools of meditation mm-hmm. um, in his rehab at mm-hmm. the VA, which I'm so grateful for. I mean, I would watch him. I remember one time, being at like Verizon or something and he had to buy something and he was getting very frustrated because the guy didn't understand what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And my dad could go from like, you know, calm to like angry, like he's about to kill this person, you know, <laughs> jump across the thing and yeah. like want to strangle him. That was like old dad. And I watched him this one time and I was, I got scared. I went into like my PTSD of knowing that and being like, oh my God, what do I need to do to this person so he knows that he's not in a safe place and what do I need to do to dad to get him out? Like I started going through this whole thing and I just saw him like count on his hand, his breaths. Mm. And I was like, ah, okay. Like he, he's got this and it was so liberating to see. And that like that in itself, I was like, I don't need to be angry at him. He's done his, the work that he needs to do on this in his life. And you're right. Like when he died, and I say this in the TEDx, it's like when he died, that was my place to find my peace with him and with yeah. myself. Yeah. And that four years, that wasn't the appropriate time and space. It was after that. I've unpacked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my story. I mean, that's some of my story. Right. I'll be unpacking a lot more. And I feel like I think I'll be going back and forth between interviews and sharing other people's stories. But I'll kind of weave in, you know, other episodes with more of my story because mm-hmm. um, I want to share it. I feel like it's very healing and being able and, and empowering. Absolutely. F- for myself, but also to share I. It's funny when I sat with Juan Carlos about the TEDx, I was like, I don't have anything to share. And he's like, yes, you do. You've been sharing it. And I was like, oh, but like my vulnerability got you 
to be here today, you know? Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and so if I need to be that naked and uncomfortable at times so that other people, like we said before, are willing to, to heal and empower themselves too, like, all right, I'm going to do that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to sharing more of my story if, if it's of interest and of, of um, relevance for other people. Totally. Yeah. And the tools that you've used, you know, while you, whether you realize they were tools that maybe helped just in that moment to help you really gain some solid, more healthy tools, Mm -hmm. but sharing, you know, what, what helped you during those times? Yeah. Um, Because sometimes you can get stuck in that. And like we said, repeating those cycles and not even recognizing it, but there's a time when you do see the light or see that other path than just knowing, um, okay, I can make this shift. Mm-hmm. And what do you lean on? You yeah. Know? And I, and that's what we, I think we'll alternate two weeks at the beginning of sharing just like little shorter ones, like five, 10 minute podcasts of, of tools. Like, Hey, this is what worked for me then. And you know, whether it's a meditation or, you know, um, a journal, pro, you know, journal writing um, exercise or something like that. You know, we can have these these short little tools for people to actually use and, and as well as the people's stories. So I'm excited to share that, too. And um, yeah, there was something else, but my brain just went somewhere else. Oh, man, I'm sure we'll get it. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get it at some point. Yeah, some it'll, all, it'll all come back. Um well, thank you for letting me share my story with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to having you and share your story soon. Yay. Yeah. Um, we do have, you know, lots going on in Nomadland. Yeah, tell us. Um, well, we're on social media, so you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Nomad Always at Home. Um, and we're going to Belize next month, <laughs> but by the time this is released, we're probably already in Belize or already back from Belize. So then we'll come back and be celebrities yeah. like on the red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so you guys can't join us in Belize, but we are working on a, a retreat in Costa Rica and I'm going to, I'm looking forward to this cause it's a part of Costa Rica that I haven't been to yet. The Osa Peninsula. And I'm going to try out some of these new techniques that I've been working with, some different tools that also involve these writings, writing exercises. So that's happening February 28th through March 4th. And there's going to be more information on the website Yay. soon. Yeah. And, um, and more of these podcasts. And there's going to be more happening a lot this fall, but I'm not sure when this is releasing. So I don't want to promote anything that doesn't make sense yet but we'll be letting you guys know how to keep in touch with us. But if you have a story you want to share to definitely reach out to us and let us know it. You can always follow us. Um, our website is nomadalwaysathome.com and, um, send us a note there and just let us know, um, if this is helping you in any way, sharing our stories, or if you want to share your story, we'd love to hear from you. And you have a really, I just figured I could yeah. plug this in. Oh, the yeah. The online studio. You have a lot of recordings there. We do. So we're sort of, that's what I was saying is like, I don't want to share too much because we're oh. rebranding a little bit. Yeah. And so I'm figuring out how the online studio is playing into it right now. We do have videos and it's great, but I think I'm going to restructure it in a way. It's either going to be, all the videos are for free, 
um, or this membership I'm going to change a little bit, but I'm figuring we're also, yeah, we're shifting, we're shifting some stuff around that I haven't told you about. All right. But you guys manifesting will find something yeah, beautiful. but go to the website. Cause maybe by the time this comes out, we've already done that and you can find out there. Cool. Thank you, Jess. Thanks, baby. I can't wait to do this again. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Thanks for being here.